0: Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. All right. So welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. This is a very special episode for me because this is the first time I've ever had a guest that I don't know in person (laughs) and is not in person. So we have my very first virtual interview with Nicole, who is at the seed of joy with an underscore Mm -hmm. with an underscore on Instagram. Um, and I can't recall how I first discovered her, um, but I definitely got her postpartum cookbook as soon as I can. And some of those recipes are my absolute favorite. And I don't follow a lot of people on Instagram right now. I'm constantly unfollowing people. But hers is one account that I just love seeing when I open Instagram. I just know that, okay, if I look at her stories, it's going to be this blast of goodness and centeredness and Just reminding me of what I'm here for. And on the other hand, what I'm not here for. Because so much of the time you open up your phone and it's just crazy nonsense. Um, (laughs) And so I really appreciate just seeing the things that you share and that you offer. And your really grounded, embodied perspective. And I feel like I learn new things about myself from you almost every day.
1: Thank you. Those words Mm -hmm. mean so much. Mm-hmm. It's like my only intention of being on there really um is is exactly that is there's so much nonsense there's so much nonsense everywhere it's not just the internet it's not just social mm-hmm. media it's your doctor's office it's your mother-in-law's dinner table it's The playground, it's like anywhere that you could go and have someone reflect motherhood back to you, you're running the risk of it just being twisted projection Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and distortion instead. And I feel that there's this really innate and deep need culturally, but individually, mother to mother and home to home and baby to baby to have a model Or at least a space where you get reflected back where you actually want to go, right? Where you can like orient to your motherhood. Because as I see it, motherhood must be designed to be enjoyable. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And whether, I think about this all the time and I talk about it all the time, but whether you believe in like an evolutionary model where nature and life has evolved, to become most efficient at surviving and thriving and reproducing and our babies surviving and thriving and reproducing, if that's the point, right? There would be so many ways that we would be conditioned to like it Mm -hmm. so that we did a good job at it. The fact that you smell your baby's breath and you get a palpable hit of oxytocin that tells your brain, you like this thing, stay close to this thing, close enough to smell and to keep safe. That's mm-hmm. the underlying programming, right? There's so many layers of that or, and, or maybe both, who knows what's happening, but, or you have like a benevolent creator who loves you and divinely designed you to have a gift of a life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In which case you're also designed to probably have it be pretty good. hmm Which means no matter where you're coming from, there's these innate truths that our body is for us and our body is for our motherhood.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And there must be a pathway for it to be comfortable and sustainable and steady, or we wouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. Humans wouldn't have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years if every mother for all of time was like, wow, this sucks. And Uh it's so hard. I feel like I'm dying. I'm not sure I would choose this if I had known. There's no way that that's been the tale for longer than like the last couple generations. Yeah. And I think that even then,
0: like for me personally, or for people who, like my grandmother, I think of who wasn't super excited about being a mother. It wasn't something that she felt a lot of joy in. I'm sure even in that, there are moments where you're like, wow, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Like most yeah. of the time this sucks. I'm not saying that's the way it is for me, but mm-hmm. but right now in this moment, I feel such deep joy and I know that this is the way it's supposed to be. And maybe we just don't necessarily know how to carry that into the rest of our mothering, the rest of our lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think you see that narrative a lot too where there's like modern examples of this where, you know, the... And everyone does this because I do this, but where like the day can be so hard and then your kids go to sleep and you stay up for like three hours looking at photos of them mm-hmm. and like sending old photos of them for like to your husband and your friends, just to have people like gush with you. Mm-hmm. at love like, that o'clock at night, right? Where you reconnect with that space of gratitude and satisfaction, being a mother and being mm-hmm. with your child. Yet I think we kind of culturally approach this as if it's like, oh, thank goodness you get some peaks so you can survive the constant state in the trenches,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like, oh, thank goodness you have this to barely keep your head afloat rather than reframing of like, wait, could I feel that more often? Mm-hmm. Is, there, is that always accessible to me? And are there things that are keeping me from accessing that sensation? Because if motherhood isn't inherently awful, and it's not, then that means that there's things we can do. There's decisions we can make. There's Mm -hmm. things that we can restructure. And I would never, I would never be one to say that it's not, there's not like a lot of opportunity for it to be awful. There is, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of chances for motherhood to be a horrible experience and to feel uncomfortable and disorienting and confusing and dysregulating and draining. Mm -hmm. The modern structure is definitely set up to give you that experience, but you also aren't victim to that either. You don't have to do things in a way that feels horrible. Mm -hmm. And yet I see so many women, um, like not even really look for anything else because we've been so conditioned to expect it to be hard and kind of sucky
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to feel like we're suffering in it right we've been conditioned since we were little girls that motherhood is equal to suffering yeah and so women arrive to motherhood and they're like oh there's the suffering yes this is just and then that's is. like an end of sentence like oh mm-hmm. i knew it would be this, there rather than being like i'm suffering what do i do
0: yeah yeah i think this also comes back to what you said earlier about not having any role models or just anyone living and mothering in a way that we would be striving for, or that feels good for us. Mm-hmm. So are not having those models, it's hard to just create something for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't occur to you mm-hmm. that, that it could feel any different. And I think it, it's really easy to see how this, you know, motherhood mirrors postpartum, mirrors birth mirrors life and so it goes along too with this story that like birth is just pure pain that you Uh suffer but at least you get a kid at the end
0: yeah try to not
1: for it take as much drugs as you can but and then but then also like postpartum is nothing but pain and suffering and diapers and cracked nipples Mm -hmm. but at least you have a baby at the end of it but then it's also like motherhood is nothing but exhaustion and depletion and starvation but mm-hmm. at least you technically have a kid there for it I'm like when does that end yeah when does that end when are we supposed to be like now this is the good part
0: Mm-hmm. like oh when and they're then, teenagers when they've right, left the well, house
1: and, then, and you're and all alone everyone hates teenagers everyone hates toddlers mm-hmm. everyone hates like, like there's never not a reason you to complain
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so when I look at that, I'm like, okay, if the, you know, the more mainstream or the common narrative is that it's never just good, then the, then maybe the complete reverse is true, which is that it is Mm. literally always good. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I just, I just, I don't buy it, right? If you're going to untangle birth, and you're going to look at the full spectrum of experience that's available there, you can find suffering in birth. You can find Mm -hmm. pain in birth. You can find isolation and fear and edges and stretching and expansion. You can find all of that in birth. I don't even think it's wrong if you find that in birth. I'm not someone who's like the epitome of birth should be like a painless, Mm -hmm. blissful experience. Orgasmic situation. And I've had, I've had births that way. Mm -hmm. I have my very next birth was like just decimating you know like it's not like I achieved it and then we were done but if you're open to the full spectrum of experience then that means that yeah maybe you go to those places but you also get to reach all those highs of euphoria and like cosmic channeling and those really really higher states of existence that we only touch in birth And then the same is true of postpartum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to find hard bits. There's going to probably be some point where you're up in the middle of the night and you're like, you know, hungry and tired and you don't really want to wake someone up to go get you food, but you don't want to go get you food. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can go back to sleep without food. And, you know, there's things you can do about that to soften that too, though, right? There's structures you can create Mm -hmm. where the hard Maybe still feels hard, but you get to learn that you're capable of holding it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that finds you in motherhood, too. If you can. It's not that it's not supposed to be hard. The point is that you're like brought to your knees mm-hmm. over and over again. But the point is also that you get to be brought to your knees and find gratitude there. Rather than self-pity.
2: mm-hmm
1: And the difference is, do you feel fortified enough? Do you trust yourself enough to reach this edge and expand and to be like, whoa, that was so hard. Look what I can do now. And then you trust the next hard moment so much more because you're like, oh, I know I can do hard things. Or do you get there and you like crumble and you feel attacked and you feel oppressed and you feel alone? And you feel like you're just being bombarded by things that are too hard to possibly hold Mm
2: -hmm.
1: again and again and again. And that's, that's the narrative of like modern motherhood that we're fed. Yeah. I was thinking of that. You can never hold it. Don't even try.
0: Mm -hmm. I was thinking of that also as really applicable for birth because often when people have a birth experience that leaves them feeling really powerful that can totally change their lives and change their perspective and their understanding of themselves. And then on the other hand, where people have a birth story, where they feel powerless, they feel victimized, they feel like that just sucked. And it was awful. It can be so hard for them to allow themselves to see that it doesn't have
1: to be that way. And it's not always that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really does inform your motherhood experience. Mm-hmm. You know, people have You'll, I've seen people say like whatever things in your life that you've been like afraid to look at or work with they're going to find you in birth
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think it continues on to be true that whatever you are too, whatever you're unwilling to look at for whatever reason in birth it's going to find you in postpartum and then it's going to find you in motherhood mm-hmm. again and again and again there are I can't remember what it was but there was something just a couple weeks ago I had an interaction with my six and a half year old my oldest son and there's a moment where he said something he reflected something back to me and it just clicked in a new way where I was like Mm -hmm. oh my god you have been showing me this your whole life oh Mm -hmm. oh my god (laughs) this has been here the whole time the theme was in your birth it was in your postpartum and here and it's been here like the whole time this has been something that you've been directing me towards the whole time
2: mm-hmm.
1: for whatever reason I couldn't see it or couldn't work with it until now which is also fine
2: mm-hmm.
1: but like that's the gift of it right that's so much and I think people are starting to have more and more conversations about that being part of the gift of birth is that you like you know, you realize how strong you are and how capable you are
2: mm-hmm.
1: and how safe you are, how you can do really hard, scary, powerful things and still be safe doing them. Which I think, yeah, that's a huge piece of how your experience ends up then. When you breach the really hard part, did the people around you go, yep, this is hard and it's big and you're safe and you're doing it? Or did the people around you swoop in and they'll be like, that's big and it looks hard and it looks scary and I bet something's wrong.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? Like, how are we we being conditioned to internalize challenge as safe or unsafe?
0: Yeah. And I feel like there's so much talk now about birth and about the way these lessons can come through in birth. And that's amazing. And it's so equally relevant to postpartum and often kind of skipped over people talk about postpartum prep and they're like well I got my witch hazel padsicles and some tea and a meal train so I'm all
1: good to go right which is even more than some people do which is just incredible to even think about but it is like postpartum is really the continuation of that space and part I honestly I have like an affection for postpartum more than birth even like Mm -hmm. I I just love it I love to talk about it it's like consumes me yeah every day (laughs) and part of why I love it so much is that regardless of how your birth went postpartum is the immediate invitation to reclaim your story Mm -hmm. you don't have to wait for it you don't have to do anything for it your body just starts to orchestrate it for you if you have a supported postpartum, you're going to immediately start integrating your birth experience, regardless of what it was. Because it's, it's operations of safety that your body offers you, your hormones and your like all of it mm-hmm. is there and it's going to happen as long as you don't interfere with it. So if you structure postpartum for yourself, you just immediately get to start integrating your experience into wisdom versus trauma. Mm-hmm. or and or at the same time in the same breath getting to embody whatever wisdom you took from your birth experience and like really let it settle mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and I think
0: this- go ahead I was gonna say there's the one side to structuring your postpartum which is having adequate support and finding people who will do the things that you need and making sure you have the food. And then the other side of it is this kind of less tangible sort of invitation to pleasure. And I think that's something that is so hard to grasp because we have such a deep, deep story of postpartum is hard, postpartum sucks. I mean, the word postpartum at this point basically means postpartum depression. And so it's one thing to imagine that it can be decent and manageable, but it's a whole other step to say this can be pleasurable this can be amazing right
1: yeah and you see, I mean you see that mirrored in birth and in motherhood the same way we're like it's we're supposed to think that like the best it can get is you just like reasonably survived it right you made it through and you didn't feel like dying that's like a good birth that's a uh-huh. like good post that's good motherhood yeah and it's so not yeah like, In comparison to what is possible, it's not even the bare minimum. It is crumbs. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, it's so intertwined. And this is why I love in equal measure talking about the structure of postpartum and how to set yourself up. Because if you commit to structuring your postpartum practically and logistically in the like physical world a certain way, you are undoubtedly and unavoidably going to find those more like emotional, esoteric, energetic edges.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because it is things like, it sounds so simple and so many people don't realize it, but you also don't have to be conscious of it to receive the medicine where, yeah, let's say it's like 11 p.m. and your partner just fell asleep and you're like, The baby just woke up and you're nursing the baby and you thought you were fine and all of a sudden you're hungry or you're really thirsty like you want tea and a bowl of soup and you feel like you need it are you going to choose to martyr yourself and go without or are you going to ask someone to help you Mm -hmm. and it seems like a simple thing so simple that most women would have the tendency to be like it's not that important. I'll be fine. I'll just nurse the baby and go to sleep. Yeah. But it. what's actually happening there is you are confronting those deeper stories of Am I allowed to take up space here? Am I safe to ask for my niece to be met? Do I deserve to feel totally nourished? What is my relationship with my body and with food and with hunger and with mm-hmm. worth and safety and belonging and pleasure? and the right to have all of that story and experience, all of that is caught up in how do you assert yourself postpartum? And what do you expect to receive postpartum? Mm -hmm. This comes up early too. What do you expect to receive? Do you feel entitled to get everything you want? Or is there a piece of you that's like, don't be a princess. Mm. Can you find that piece of you and where that comes from? That like probably little girl before she was told she wasn't a princess. Can you find that part of you that is like, hell yeah, we're going to sit on a throne and be fed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's the work of it. It is really big. It is really deep. It is really significant. It's not so simple as I'll be fine. Mm
2: hmm which
1: is where most women find themselves.
0: Yeah, I feel like a good reframe for me. So for me, that moment was always five in the morning and I would just wake up Mm -hmm. and I'd be so hungry. And sometimes I had snacks and sometimes I didn't. And there's one moment where I was like, okay, well, would I want my one week old son to wake up and be like, "Eh, I'm hungry, but I don't really need it, it's fine. Or do Mm -hmm. I want him to know that his needs are important and will be met as soon as possible? And in that moment, there isn't really that much of a separation. Like, it's called the mother-baby diet. They're one one being, one existence. Mm-hmm. So therefore, anything that I would want for him, I need to also, also want and to be
1: open to and to create for myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a really distinct moment, like three months postpartum, with my first son, where I was, like, in a place of just – It wasn't a big deal, but like setting some boundaries for him as we like went home to visit family for Mm -hmm. the first. And I didn't like want to have to do it, but I also didn't hesitate in the sense that like there was no question whether or not I was going to set this boundary because he needed it to protect his wellness. And I just like, I like send off the text or something that I realized I wouldn't have sent for myself. Yeah. And it was this, like, oh my gosh moment where if my baby is worthy and deserving of being safe and vibrant and protected, I am worthy of feeling safe and vibrant and protected and nourished. Like I, and I always have been. And if I want to start living a life where I feel entitled to those things, I need to start acting like I'm entitled to those things.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I feel like in a lot of, I mean, for me, and it sounds like for you, motherhood made boundaries so much easier, so much clearer, Mm -hmm. just like so much more no nonsense. This is just what we need. And I'm going to communicate that. Yeah. And I think the other side of the story for some people can be that they're willing to set boundaries for their children, and they're willing to care for their children in that way. But that comes to the detriment of themselves.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is you know, the root of that is like your story of, you you can trace that back to your own infancy. Mm -hmm. I would say pretty much every time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Trace that back to your own childhood. Did you receive that imprint that you're worth setting boundaries for? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That you're worth sacrificing for? That you're worth showing up for? Because we... Are kind of invited. We we internalize the stories that we're experiencing, right? And they become our truth. They become how we think of ourselves and how we show up for ourselves is how others showed up for us, and how we thought others were thinking of us.
2: Mm-hmm. Who knows if
1: it's accurate when you're like a little kid, but it doesn't matter if it's accurate or not. There's just the experience of childhood. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. Yeah. You have women. Everyone. Everyone, regardless of how they parent or how they birth or how they live, can talk about like mama bear, Mm -hmm. right? It's almost like a cultural phenomenon. Everyone can talk about it. But where, what does it look like to own that for yourself, to like allow that instinct to be applied to yourself? And I think it's one of the biggest gifts of reclaiming the idea that mother and baby are one And there's a reason that motherhood starts that way,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. right, is that you get to see that your baby's wellness is your wellness, is your baby's wellness. There is no separation. And yet even still, I'll often see women that are willing to acknowledge that for postpartum, but not then throughout the course of their motherhood. Mm. As if there's a time that that stops it's not that at 40 days your baby can be perfect and you can start suffering and your baby doesn't notice or care
2: mm-hmm.
1: not at 40 days not at six months not at one year not at three years there's not a point ever <laughs> where you are actively mothering a child and your state doesn't matter and doesn't mm-hmm. impact
0: yeah and this this isn't to say that you need to be perfectly regulated or always nourished or Absolutely super not. happy all the time
1: or your kids are gonna be messed up Mm-mm. no, but you're but you for the way I see it is that if a family unit is going to be well and if I'm gonna my like version of well, my way that I conceptualize that and apply that to my own home would be like we are, like, reasonably resourced, right, Um, and it's sustainable, Mm -hmm. it's sustainable, and I think that's something people miss, too, is what you're doing sustainable,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. if it's not, you should probably do something different, and that's not to say, like, obviously, there's nights where, you know, a couple weeks ago, three out of my four children were throwing up literally every five minutes for, like, nine hours through the night, that was not sustainable, <laughs> right? But, but it was a weird anomaly. Mm-hmm. And also the rest of my motherhood is sustainable to an extent
2: mm-hmm.
1: that when weird things like that happen, I know that I'm going to recover and I'm not spinning out over one mm-hmm. night of lost sleep because I know that it's a drop in a bucket that is like otherwise fine. I'm going to go back to sleeping perfectly fine the next day. I'm going to get to recover.
2: Mm -hmm. Your mothering
1: is unsustainable where you're really at risk of not being well, or you're frequently dipping into places where you don't feel well. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You come up on edges like that or nights like that, and you are honestly, for good reason, terrified, of one, how you're going to make it through, but two, how it's ever going to be okay again, Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: you're not fortified for the task. You are going to be in a place where you're just getting thrashed around that night, Mm -hmm. and you are going to be like, I just need to survive this. And it's not wrong to hit those places, and I I think that has to be a part of the conversation, too, that it's not wrong to hit those places but it is a point where you get to reflect Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like it is a gift that you get to hit that point and be like whoa this is too much and it doesn't feel like it's working Mm
2: -hmm.
1: the responsibility piece comes in of being willing to examine it and go like do I need to do something else that's the That's why you get moved to those edges, is so you can pivot and readjust. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it happens in all of life, and it's not even—it's not even like this mystical woo-woo like energy thing. It's literally just how our nervous systems function. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That your nervous system will alert you when something doesn't feel safe and doesn't feel correct, and it will continue to alert you until you interpret that signal, and respond to it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think it can be really simple on the one hand, and on the other hand, feel really hard to access those extra resources. I'm thinking again in the postpartum time, when I was like three or four weeks postpartum, my partner was back to work, and everyone that was caring for me was kind of off doing their own things. Mm-hmm. And so for the week throughout the day, it was just me at home with my baby and my like 38 week pregnant friend who also had a toddler. Mm. So he was not super available. And I would just like carry him down the stairs and lift the big heavy cast iron thing down from the pot rack. And after three or four days about this, I was like, this is not functioning. This is not functioning even just in my physical body. Like I can feel it in my pelvic diaphragm. This is not Okay. Right. And I didn't really especially want to, but I just went to my mother's house for the next week. Mm -hmm. I was like, I know that this is not working. And a really practical solution to that is to be somewhere where there's someone that can take care of me, where I don't have to walk up and down as many stairs. Right. Yeah.
1: I liked that, you know, like mentioned, like, I didn't necessarily want to. Yeah. Like, this is... This is something my second son, my four-year-old, has like, like he really struggles with. Where Mm
2: -hmm.
1: if there are two options and he doesn't want, he won't choose the better one. He'll just Mm -hmm. feel horrible that there's not a third option that's exactly what he wants. Mm -hmm. And I think there's elements of that too. When you're especially living in this like modern world, if you were to go and live in a really intimate and tight knit and committed community full of several adults, I would say like at least 20 adults ranging from upper teen years through end of life, right? Like Mm -hmm. where you're accessing the full spectrum of how humans live and therefore show up for each other. And you're living in like a web of community maybe you get to get real picky, right? You could, it's just a lot mm-hmm. easier. to be like, yeah. this is what I need. And someone somewhere is going to show up and fill that for you. Yeah, that sounds ideal. you're living sure. in this modern structure where we're automatically isolated, even if you're part, a nuclear family is living in isolation, mm-hmm. right? If that's what you're doing, yeah, maybe maybe you need to choose what's better. And it's okay to be wholly grateful for that too. It's okay Mm -hmm. to make a decision like that and walk away feeling nothing but grateful for what you received and placing no judgment or rejection on the pieces of it that you don't want to be available for.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like you can just set that boundary where like I'm only going to be grateful for this and I'm not engaging with that stuff. That might look like, you know, like a big one is <laughs> that like, um, a lot of women have challenging relationships with their mother-in-law, which I could say a lot about, but is not this conversation. Um, but let's say, yeah, she wants, to, she wants to help postpartum. She wants to feed you. She wants to help. You have like a baby and a toddler and she wants, she wants to help. I want to help, let her, let me help. And she says things to her son, like, well, she won't even let me help right this is like a common tale where the mother-in-law is like i want to help but she won't let me and the daughter-in-law is like i want you to actually help me not come in and do whatever the hell it is you think you're doing
0: Feels right like a very relevant conversation to right?
1: me <laughs> and it's like no one can find their footing in a way that moves towards more connection not more rupture mm-hmm. and it's very easy When you are the daughter-in-law, when you are the mother in this equation, who is the one needing help to be like, it's her responsibility to do what I'm wanting. Mm -hmm. But there's a little piece of responsibility there of like, if I want people to love me the way I want to be loved, I need to inform them of what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I need to also be flexible of the fact that like people are still going to be who they are. And they're going to show up the way they show up. Yeah. And maybe that looks like you decide that you are going to let your mother-in-law come bring you food. Because maybe she's obnoxious, objectively annoying. That's fine. You can have that. <laughs> but maybe she really knows how to cook. right? Mm-hmm. And you can, you can, postpartum or otherwise, you can let her come and serve you. And you can set that boundary for yourself before she walks through the door. You can set practical limits of like, she's only allowed to be here 20 minutes. She's only allowed to drop Mm -hmm. the food off. She's only whatever that looks like. You can also take responsibility for yourself and you can take a moment when you know she's coming and you can say, when she walks through that door, I am going to receive nourishment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be fed. I'm going to be receptive. I'm going to be available to be loved by her. I am not available to be unloved by her. I'm not going to be available for comments on the state of my house. I am not available for her opinion on my nursing relationship. I am not available for her helping me organize the kitchen cabinets. I am available to be loved. Mm -hmm. And then you get to just act through that. And one, when you set that foundation... Just for yourself, honestly, it goes a long way where you often don't have to have these conversations, where energy is moving in for your benefit anyway. But also, you've then decided for yourself, set parameters for yourself, where you already know, you've already told yourself, that if she makes a comment about nursing the baby, you're not available for it. You've already decided how you're going to hold yourself then Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and how you're going to handle that. And so maybe she makes the comment as she dishes you a delicious bowl of soup. But because you've already kind of visited this place in your mind's eye, you get to (laughs) shrug off the comment or set a boundary about it without it affecting your gratitude for the soup that she's handing you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And this practice of becoming radically available to the nourishment that is already in your life without getting caught up in some of the tendrils that often come with it it can be night and day to feeling nourished as a mother Mm
2: -hmm.
1: of allowing yourself to receive good things even if they come in packages that you would like wrap yourself differently Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of it I, I definitely experience I've had as far as like I want to feel more supported or I want to feel no, more nourished. No, 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 no. Only this way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, maybe that way isn't an option. Would you rather have nothing? Like my four-year-old would scream like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But hopefully we're not four-year-olds. Right. But well, fortunately we're not four-year-olds, mm-hmm. but also we're, we're mothers. And I see a lot of mothers that are like, you know, screaming a proverbial yes. Mm-hmm. Like I would rather suffer in my tower than to let someone mm-hmm. in. The way that they are rather than how I would like them to be
0: yeah just imagining the way you presented that in my own mother-in-law relationship there's such a softening there and I think one thing that someone said recently I can't remember where I heard it but I liked was in relation to boundaries thinking that you can uninvite people to conversations you can say I'm uninvite uninviting you from commenting on breastfeeding and this Mm -hmm. can be something that you say out loud or this can be when these comments come, you just like kind of smile and nod and you say, all right, this is going one ear and not the other. And I don't need to take it in personally. I don't need to assume these judgments that are coming with it or whatever it is. I can just say, thank you for this nourishment. Your judgments are just falling to the floor.
1: they are just going somewhere else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a really, I love that illustration of it. Just like, it's like gently nudging you and then like falling off right like raindrops like yeah. they're not permeating because that is so different than the like other side of this coin that you'll often see modern mothers get caught in which is like letting people walk all over them mm-hmm. and not just and never setting a boundary right right And instead just allowing people to like lob opinions and comments at them and letting them all stick and letting them all land and letting them all get internalized Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and then feeling so heavy and weighed and bombarded rather than supported. And so that the piece of energetic boundary partnered with the willingness to set a physical or verbal boundary. Mm -hmm. That's what makes a boundary like embodied. That's what makes it real. That's what makes it functional as a boundary and if you're yeah only doing one piece of it it's not gonna land the same way if you're only setting that energetic boundary where you're like I'm not going to be available for that but then she shows up and makes a comment and you like cry because you Mm -hmm. were actually super available to be criticized about that that day
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um that's not functioning if you are someone who maybe is wanting to Practice better boundaries and doesn't hesitate to like verbally set one, right? Be like, you don't get to talk to me like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you were still receiving it. You didn't do the energetic part where you are yeah. still actually participating in it. That also isn't functional. And postpartum is a really cool space where, like, I don't know that there's a time where our body speaks more loudly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, just just this morning, I had a mother messaging me about, like, this is how I'm feeling. And every once in a while, I feel like I get a glimmer of what I need, right, to change what's happening. And yet, most of the time, I'm like, all I know is this doesn't feel right, and I don't even mm-hmm. know what to do. About it. And that happens when our body is, like, bombarding us with signals, when our nervous system is, like, Sending us every po- possible form of communication it can lobby to email WhatsApp message. Yeah, he's like, I will send you conflicting messages. I will do whatever it takes for you to like pay attention. Um, and we we are raised in a culture of like disembodiment Absolutely. and disconnection from self. And so sometimes it's not until motherhood that you're like, whoa, there's like a lot of communication going on within my system that I don't even think I realized was there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and it can feel like that's coming from motherhood or from your child but so often it's just that that was like pulling back the curtain for you to see everything that's been there the whole time and postpartum in particular the communication is so direct and so clear it mm-hmm. can be a great launching point for digging into those pieces because you like you can't get it wrong there's like there's less guesswork hmm there's less guesswork of what do I need and what boundaries do I need to set when you notice that every time you get out of bed for more than 10 minutes, you start bleeding again automatically. That's pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember having that experience my third postpartum where like I thought that I was like, I just pushed it a little bit more where I was feeling really, really, really good
2: mm-hmm.
1: and totally capable of like serving my own lunch. And then I'd get back to bed and I would like bled. I hadn't been bleeding for like three days. And then all of a sudden I was was like, "Oh, okay. My mind is saying yes to that, but my body says no. Like a really clear no. Mm -hmm. So that has to be a no. My body is bleeding because it doesn't want to be doing this. Am I going to sit here and be like, no, deal with it? What? what? Mm -hmm. You would never do that to your child. You would never do that to your baby. It's wild to think that we should be doing that kind of thing to ourselves.
0: Yeah, and that doesn't mean that we're not capable. I think that can be a really hard thing for people to swallow in the Mm -hmm. postpartum. They're like, oh, I'm just incapable. I'm just like a lump Mm -hmm. in bed and I can't do anything and I'm not offering anything. And thus I have no value. Because in reality, you are doing so much and you are so much, even if it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. Mm -hmm. That what can be seen of, being able to make lunch or not being able to make lunch really has no impact on your value, on your worth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge, it's a huge thing to dig into. And I think one of the major things that I see women like, I don't want to go there. Like, I want to rest. I want to have a nice time with my baby. I don't want to go there. Which is like, what is your value if you're not offering anything to anyone? If you're not cleaning and cooking and serving and listening to phone calls on the phone and listening to your husband after, if you're not doing all of the things for everyone else, who are you and what is your worth? Mm-hmm. And what if you were like a baby that was not capable? Yeah. What if what if you're not capable right now? What if you are largely incapable? What if you are more helpless than you have any memory of ever being? What if the last time that you were this helpless and in need was when you were literally a newborn. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: How uncomfortable is that? Yeah. Can you trust that you're still of value? Can you trust that the people around you still believe you are of value? And I think the tricky thing is if you haven't sat with these questions before, You might find, you might, honestly, and it's a scary thought and I like don't like saying it, but you might find that the people around you don't. You, mm-hmm. you really quickly will uncover who in your life was assigning value and worth to you over what you were doing for them. Mm-hmm. And it hurts to see that. It can be tender and hard, which is why it's so needed to go through some of these things before your baby gets here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't have to. It's not needed. You can go through that experience, and you're strong enough to survive it. And I trust you, and God trusts you, and it's fine. But it's gonna like hurt more than doing it
0: in the safety of pregnancy or before. Yeah, and no one would look at a newborn and be like, "Ah, you're useless. You're gonna start pulling your weight around (laughs) here. Can't even
1: tie your own shoes, kid. Come on, man. Get it. All you've done is nap and eat all day. Like, yeah, it's insane, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
1: Whole one." No one, no one, the most absurd and evil people on earth would still not look at a baby and be like, well, he should be doing more. Mm -hmm. It's a baby. It does the thing the baby does. And it should be just the same to be like, it's a new mother. She does the thing new mother does, which is sit and eat and feed and be loved. And she actually isn't capable of doing anything else without compromising those core needs first.
0: Yeah, that feels so true for me and so lost. Like, it seems like something we should all just know, we should all understand. And at some point, I'm sure we did. Mm -hmm. And today, it's such a hard thing for people to grasp.
1: Yeah yeah we've been I mean we've been systematically gaslit out -hmm. of our own innate knowledge we're saying like like three four generations deep at least on like some really direct attack Mm -hmm. structurally on mother baby and the wisdom of it and the fact that we have lost sight of mother baby it just it's it just immediately compounds (laughs) where the very first baby that was born to a mother was not revered is going to grow up into a mother who is willing to not be revered and when you do that three even three four times over you have the women birthing in our generation who the cellular memory is there but their mind holds none of it. Mm -hmm. They haven't ever experienced being revered. They never saw their mother being revered. They've never heard their mother, their grandmother talk about about being revered. And the memories of their great grandmother were lost already. Mm -hmm. Where it doesn't take long to get far enough away from it that you forget it was ever there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: More than that. You don't even know there's anything to look for. Talk about hidden treasure. Yeah. No one's even looking. And yet, because that truth lives in your body still, because it is truly innate in the deepest sense. You instead just have this like nagging sensation that something's not quite right.
2: Mm
1: Forever. Forever. it's just disorienting something feels not right and you don't know what it is and you definitely don't know how to fix it and you also don't even know who to ask about it because everyone else is pretending that everything's fine while also in their own homes knowing that it's not okay Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the only hint that you have that anyone else is suffering is when they go on the internet and talk about how motherhood sucks yeah. And like a tiny part of you feel validated, but a much larger part of you is curious and is like, "Is that really the end of the story?" What do you mean? It reminds me to- of it reminds me of that movie where there's
0: that guy who's like part of a TV show set, but he thinks he's just living his life. And like, if you oh, were to look at that- like the Truman Show or something, mm-hmm. yeah, with Jim Carrey, I know exactly what you're talking yep. about. If you were to just okay. look around, you'd be like, yeah, this is the world. This is what this happens. Is nice. This, this normal. is what we're doing. yeah. But there's something that you're like, I know that there's more
1: out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you don't, if you don't know, what do you do about it? Yeah. Or if you can't, you can't find that door. To, right? And this is where you have mothers that are like conditioned to source their own sense of wellness and authority and sovereignty from others. Mm-hmm and they're like asking pediatricians who don't have the answer. Yeah. And they're asking internet infant sleep coaches who don't have the answer. And they're asking their own traumatized mothers who don't have the answer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're like lingering around playdate conversations and like waiting for something to be illuminated where they feel like the other woman gets it and is in the same place mm-hmm. but no one's actually saying it. and it's like you're both sitting on a shared secret that you refuse to acknowledge mm-hmm. and it only shifts it only shifts when you see one thing that might be a point of reflection or illumination where you get turned back to your own body, where you get to start unearthing it for yourself. And that might be watching someone say they love motherhood. It might be watching someone say that uh, getting enough sleep with the newborn is actually super easy. It might be watching someone share their powerful pleasant birth story or their blissful postpartum Mm -hmm. or their absolute gratitude of mothering a terrible two-year-old whatever it might be is those little bits of light the second someone gets to see it and then receive it they get to start unraveling and unearthing their own Mm -hmm. gunk but without it everyone is just like hanging out in the dark Mm
0: -hmm. yeah which can be kind of back to the
1: internet again
0: kind of a blessing and a curse because there's so much out there of oh this sucks this traumatizing thing happened to me my birth was sabotaged by whatever and then postpartum was just horrible and I got psychosis and then every so often you'll find people like yourself who are sharing about again I just come back to the word pleasure that can Mm -hmm. be experienced through this
1: yeah yeah it's yeah it's a hidden gem Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's It's a minefield too, because these are companies, these are businesses, these apps, and these websites, and they don't care if you're having a good time or not. They just care if you're there. Yeah. They just care if you're there. And so if systematically feeding you a constant... Ivy drip of hot garbage that makes you hate yourself in your life mm-hmm. keeps you there. They are more than happy to do it. It's just algorithms. I'm not even like blaming Mark Zuckerberg right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Maybe he hasn't but like mm-hmm. it's not it's not even that like a person is doing this to another person. It's just the structure mm-hmm. of this system. But the thing is is that the moment you decide to show up differently, you get to start receiving that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so it will, it will like place you into another stream of existence where whatever you're available for is what you receive. And that's true of the internet. It's true of motherhood. It's true of birth. Mm-hmm. It's true of life. What you are available for is what you receive. And it's as simple as being like, Honestly, the first, the first step would be, like, I, not only do I not want to be miserable mothering, I don't believe that I have to be. Like, I really don't. I don't believe that I have to be. And maybe even right now I am, right? Maybe some things are going on where I am. I'm not going to gaslight myself and deny myself the experience I'm having. I'm not gonna, I think of that like, meme of the dog sitting in the house that's on fire I don't know if I've seen that one it's oh my god it's just a little cartoon dog sitting in a house that's like covered in flames and it just says this is fine Mm. that's modern motherhood is a (laughs) bunch of women being like okay I guess and like trying to like smile Mm -hmm. and the second you get to be the second you're like this is no good I don't want it and I don't believe that I have to have it. I believe that something else is possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And right now there's lots of things that are, I'm in the place that I'm in, but I believe I could be in a different place. I believe it could feel differently. Immediately, like stones will start being built in a path towards it.
2: Mm-hmm
1: one little bit at a time you start to uncover what is and is not for you what does and does not work for you and it's not going to work to go on the internet and just start like emulating what another mother is doing because she's a different human raising different humans in a different home in a different family constellation likely in a different part of the world with a different income and was born to different parents like there are so many things like like i i am so aware like i i don't ever want to be telling someone how they should be mothering
2: mm-hmm.
1: and chances are whatever your child needs is not what my child needs today but i hope that there can be a space where you get to uncover that mhm where, like, I'm doing my thing and you witness it, and we have a conversation where something's reflected to you, where you're like, oh, okay, that thing that your son Owen needs, that would not work for my kid. But when you said this, I got to thinking about it. And I actually think that maybe what we need to do is whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you go try it and you get to feel it. Does it work for you? Did it not work for you? Do you think it could work for you, but you have to change some other things up first? Are you brave enough to do that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you willing to do hard things to have good things? Are you willing to let go of the stuff that's not yours so that you have room to claim what is?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you mentioned going on the internet and getting to be like pointed to, like, that's for me, that is not for me, that is for me, that is not for me. It's like rapid fire so of cluing into your own desires. Yeah. And like you get to play with it, right? Life and motherhood gets to be playful. You get to like try things on. And that is a cool part of going Mm -hmm. into not just the internet, but like shared space with mothers where you're intimately observing other mothers
2: Mm -hmm.
1: is how quickly you get to just be like, that's not for me or that is for me. And it can be so tricky you find that in person for a lot of people yeah Yeah, definitely I also think I I observe that a lot of women um like don't have community nearby them where they feel like it's you know they'll be like oh I don't have like-minded mothers Mm -hmm. um and there's value to that there absolutely is you you should have like-minded mothers in your life to some capacity. There's also value to seeing the things that aren't for you. Yeah, there's value to seeing things that are not for you and are for you wrapped up in the same person. Can you receive the whole reflection? Can you have a mom friend where you're like, our kids get along and we eat similar foods, so that's really easy. But, you know, her like marriage dynamic, I would never.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Like, can you just let that be what it is? Can you look at, you know, or maybe she makes a parenting choice where like, oh, she weans way early. She births in the hospital
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she loves it and she feels really solid about it. And she would We don't talk about birth because there's just nothing else to say.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: But she parents her children with compassion and respect and boundaries. And we actually have a great time spending days together. Mm -hmm. Can you let that be what it is? Without like rejecting the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that can be tricky. That can definitely be tricky, I think, because it can feel threatening. Yeah, definitely. We judge others because we're so ready to be judged. And there's like no. uh, The internet and social media, I would I would even honestly venture to say like specifically in mothering-centered spaces is particularly vicious mm-hmm. with the willingness to place judgment and therefore the willingness to be judged.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I want to tie this back to the conversation earlier about if we are all living in this wonderful intergenerational community Mm -hmm. And one of the only things that I actually wrote down that I wanted to talk to you about is I can't remember what exactly you were speaking on, but I think it was in relation to moving to a new place and sort of preparing for your postpartum time there. And maybe at one point you were in a process of expecting people to show up or not knowing who was going to be there or how you would find them. And you said something along the lines of, you realized that you needed to become the lighthouse to create this for yourself. And I thought that was just such a beautiful image. Um, And I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about, about being that, holding that, and how that's, as an image, it's kind of lonely, like a lighthouse at the end of a, you know, rocky pier,
1: but the beauty and the power of that.
0: Yeah,
1: I think, yeah, maybe like a warmer one would be like moths to a flame. Right, where you're like swarmed and surrounded and warm, or something, but hopefully not killing all the moths. No, <laughs> maybe that's not it either. We'll have to come up with a better we'll image or something. <laughs> like a magnet, right? You're like yeah. magnetized. You yeah. are, you are pulling into yourself, balanced symbiotic relationships. So for me and my mothering, one thing that I have really longed for is like a mother that is my elder in some capacity Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we have so much segregation between I was gonna say mothers but it's just humans whether we're talking about like separating children into grades at school or (laughs) separating women from from one another so often I see women where their mom friends are people that are in the exact same boat they are and there is a benefit to having friendships like that there is a benefit to shared space and understanding 100 mm-hmm. percent but if that is your only place where you're going to be resourced you're not actually going to get resourced because two people with an empty cup are never going to have water together there's nothing to pour back and forth mm-hmm. so one is welcoming in other dynamics and being available to a wider range of people supporting you Um, and like going to reach out and talk to the mom at the park who has a six-year-old even though you only have a Mm one-year-old but the flip side of that too is like being that mom who is pulling people in and who is giving without first asking if she has enough to give Mm -hmm. like showing up In sisterhood with a generous spirit and so if you want to be receptive you have to just be open but open means that you're also giving and extending and trusting that the other person will be there for you Mm -hmm. and so when I am going to have you know I'm like establishing a friendship with someone or just enjoying the friendships I have I don't perceive it as like me as the mother and my children, her as the mother and her children coming together to like have our units be side by side for a day.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We become a new family unit where there are two Mm -hmm. mothers and seven children. That's the unit that we're Mm -hmm. operating in. And what does that look like is to be caring for all of those people. And so I am bringing her drinks and I'm bringing her food and I am caring for her children while she is there. And if a child needs to go potty, any mother can do it. And if someone needs to, you know, it's this communal mothering. Mm -hmm. And in this space where we're so isolated and we're not in places where we are doing communal living. It's so beneficial to give yourself permission to at least have communal mothering on -hmm. days when it is an option. And so it's it's so not only does it like energetically magnetize those types of relationships to you where they are just abundant. You are giving so much and receiving to so much. She is giving so much and receiving so much. But you also immediately become this model for what intimate friendship between mothers can look like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where it's not surface and it's not careful and it's not... like like kind of like a shaky balance, right? I think sometimes it can feel that way where you feel like you're delicately balanced sharing space with other mothers. And if you can shed that and just show up in your fullness and give so much and be so open and so available, it's the invitation for her to be too. Into integrity, and authenticity and genuine connection and it it shows up in little places like not apologizing for a dirty house when you know damn well your house is clean (laughs) you know Uh (laughs) it's it's having someone over for lunch even though you know lunch is like summer sausage and cucumbers Uh uh-huh Right? it's And it's not quite the same as like oh, let's all be a hot mess together because I'm really not Mm -hmm. there for that either. But why pretend that your life is any different than it is? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, some days my children eat cheese, ham, and cherry tomatoes for lunch. It's actually their favorite lunch. It's a stupid lunch. It's so almost pointless. It is like They had smoothies and stovetop popcorn for dinner a few days ago, because it was already 20 minutes till bedtime. And I was like, oh, uh uh-oh, what are we doing here, you know? And it's just letting that be like, yeah, I'm like, I I have no self-judgment on the way my life looks and the way my mothering Mm -hmm. operates. And so I'm not available for your judgment either.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And therefore, there is none. And I'm just present with you. And you're just present with me. Mm -hmm. and we just care for one another and care for our children and it's rich to be. that's such a special way to be and it benefits my children my children are meant to be mothered by many mothers Mm -hmm. and it's something that like as much as there's a piece of me that longs for other mothers and is like missing it right they hold that same truth they don't have the same language for it I do mm-hmm. so I give them that language but you know I think my son was like five when he told me he's like I I just feel so much better and safer when we're at mama Esme's house mm-hmm. because I just know that I have two moms that day mm-hmm. and if I need something but you're helping someone else there's another person I can ask goes it's just easier yeah it's just that simple (laughs) it's just easier Mm -hmm. you know and I can reflect to them like hey there's this morning this morning it came up where all four of my children needed something at once and nothing urgent people weren't dying but like Mm -hmm. all four of them had a request and all four of them were telling me about it at once and this happens sometimes and I had to like Put up my hand and be like, pause. Like, okay, guys, listen, you are four children and one mother. We're supposed to have more mothers here and we don't. Mm. And I'm sorry. And it might be frustrating and I need your patience. Here's the order that we're going in. Yeah. Right. We're supposed to have more moms and we don't. And we feel it. And our kids (laughs) feel it. Allow that longing and the grief that's there of not having it. Allow that to be what turns you towards other women not what makes you like collapse inwards on yourself Mm. grief is longing like that can that can be a, a beautiful thing to guide you towards what you're needing in your life not just something to suffer through
0: yeah my mom's about to come stay with us for a couple weeks she does this every couple months and I've noticed that even if she's not doing anything even if she's not helping or actively engaging with my son I am just so much more present and able to do things like the house is always cleaner when my mother's here not because she does things but because I'm
1: more able to do it myself Mm -hmm. yeah little things like the ability to like walk into the other room without thinking twice or people don't talk about this enough just how like We talk a lot about children co-regulating with their parents Mm -hmm. and not enough about the fact that adults are co-regulating with other adults.
0: Yeah, that's where I was going to go after
1: this. (laughs) I leave the house a lot with my kids. That is what feels best. I know myself. It feels best because I'm co-regulating with the other, like, literal strangers. Mm -hmm. And on days where I'm, like, not feeling super on top of my own regulation and I am, like, we're approaching a place where mama's feeling like her brain is melting. It sounds terrifying to take like a mom and four children that are all on the verge of tears and go out into public. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of women would be like, today's been so hard. I don't have it in me to take us out. Uh Right. I don't have it in me. We can't go to that play date because it's just been fucked up all morning Mm -hmm. or like, I can't do the grocery shopping or, you know, whatever. But there's a gift too in allowing that to be a reason that you do go. Yeah. Where you're like, I am spinning out. And I bet we all instantly feel better the second I feel better. And I'm going to feel better the second I see another adult who's not losing their mind. Yep. It's like when your toddler has a tantrum and you lend them your calm instead of joining their chaos, right? Go allow someone else to lend you their calm. Hmm. Strangers also are never going to join your (laughs) chaos. They're really dependable that way where like your -hmm. your spouse might, your spouse might come home from work into the like chaos of what's happening in the family unit and co-regulate to you and join into it. A stranger is never going to like spin out about your child misbehaving the way you are. Well, that did happen to me once, but most (laughs) of the time typically typically they're not even going to like notice right yeah. or like the stranger doesn't know what you've been doing the first mm-hmm. time the stranger is not even aware that there are things to be stressed out about so they are not the stranger is out minding their own business having a perfectly fine time and you get to go and just like siphon their stability by yeah. being in the same room as them you don't even have to talk to them it just feels more steady when you're in a place where there are lots of adults who feel steady totally And I feel like especially with little kids,
0: that can be such a great opening to To other adults that you might, you know, especially here in New York, we like put on our blinders and don't make eye contact. But when you have a little Mm -hmm. kid with you with dinosaur boots on, people are going to be like,
1: oh, cool boots. Yeah. Yeah. People get pulled to children. They orient Mm -hmm. towards children. And I've definitely, absolutely lived in places where that was not quite is true like my experience living in seattle was so much more that like my child was not welcome in public spaces um versus like we were never more child-centered than living in north idaho where everyone was just obsessed with my children and me Aww. all the time at every turn um, i know but i've also like i was saying you know before about the choosing to be available to nourishment and available to be loved I Mm -hmm. do that for myself every time I leave the house. Mm. We get shoes on, strollers packed, all those things, and we'll, like, be before the door. And as I'm locking the door, I take a moment to check in with myself, and I choose to be available. And I notice if my shoulders are collapsed, like, I physically open my heart space, and I energetically open myself. I'm available to be loved and supported by people today. Mm -hmm. And then I am just fed a stream of angels nonstop. Mm -hmm. Everywhere we go and everywhere we've lived since I began this practice, we are so supported and so seen. And I have strangers that like lovingly parent my children and witness them and applaud me and support me and connect Mm -hmm. with me and gift me things and pay for stuff. And like just, I'm so loved when I choose that I'm open to being loved. And it can be scary. I think that's where a lot of women get caught. They do it themselves because it's really scary to be open to doing it with others. In a million different ways, does that apply?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that I don't think I know that one of the things I really appreciate about you is that you share these things that are so simple. Like This isn't a 10-hour meditation practice. This isn't like some deep yoga asana situation. This is just in the moment while you're getting your shoes on or like something you're sharing about postpartum is that you make sure you're set your you set yourself up with your favorite linens and your favorite mug for your tea. And that's not hard, that's not complicated, that's not some deep internal journey with all these tools and whatever. And at the same time, you can tell just from the way you share about these things and the way that you live that it's so impactful and so profound.
1: Yeah yeah it's practical but impactful because mm-hmm. I think yeah I see so often there. there's this big overarching narrative that like mothers can be well if they have if they're away from their kids
2: mm-hmm.
1: you can feel resourced if you get enough alone time you can yeah like but if the times that a mother only feels well is when she's not acting as a mother, is the mother well? And the answer is absolutely not. Mm. And it's also impractical for the women who are stay-at-home moms on a single income, and they don't have nannies, and they don't have babysitters, and they have husbands who work eight hours a week, or they have no family living next to them, or whatever it might be. If all the advice for how to feel better as a mother is... For someone else that's for you, mm-hmm. that's just a lot harder to reach and it's going to feel out of reach and you're going to have women that feel disheartened and discouraged and envious and like it's not even worth trying. Mm-hmm. And then they like further resign themselves to their own suffering. Whereas, yeah, there are a million little ways that are so simple to reorient yourself to a life of I love pleasure for it I always think of like softness Mm -hmm. and receptivity and pleasure as like what I'm seeking in my motherhood and these like dozens of little things that I might do every day to however subtly reorient myself towards that Mm -hmm. it just builds upon itself it has to. That's also just how our bodies and our nervous systems work. Like when you when you create a new pattern of pleasure and safety, that's available to you now
2: mm-hmm. and you get
1: to make another one and another one and another one. And eventually you reach a point where your nervous system and your brain and your body and your heart and your spirit is expecting pleasure. And then gets it.
2: Mm-hmm. And then you
1: can get this place of safety and trust and you didn't have to night wean your 17-month-old so you could go on a three-day overnight retreat with a bunch of women who don't even have children Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to tell you how to feel happy.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of when people talk about starting new habits often. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym and I need to do this regularly. So it becomes a practice. It becomes just part of what I do. And that can be applied so simply and so
1: easily with these little, little shifts. Yeah. One that I, when I first started trying to like somatically build a different experience for myself um, was just trying to notice, I talk about this a lot too, of like notice what already feels pleasurable. Take note of it and then let it be bigger. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so simply for me, it was like, I noticed one day um like just washing my hands at my kitchen sink in the middle of cooking like the water felt so nice mm-hmm. and no one was touching me because I'm just in front of the sink Whatever. <laughs> and I just decided that for that day I was going to notice how my body felt every time I went to the sink which is like hundreds of times a day and it took like it was like three days and I had become so much more aware of my body mm-hmm. Because every time I went to, I just had a rule. I probably skipped it sometimes, yeah. honestly. But I just had a rule for myself. I'm going to notice how I'm feeling every time I go to the sink. And so I'd go to rinse out a cup. And I'd notice, like, oh, I am still feeling so tight and wound up from 30 minutes ago when Milo was really upset about whatever. And I get to, like, drop that out of my body. Whereas, like, if I had noticed, I would have just kept holding it mm-hmm. for who even knows how long. And then from there, it naturally started to be that like in the middle of Milo's freakout, I might notice mm. I'm feeling really closed off like I was earlier. Uh-huh. And a lot of the time I see advice, especially for mothers working what I consider to be backwards, which is like when your child's having a hard time and you notice that you're feeling activated take a deep breath, or do this, or do, that's not the time to be training yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't learn new things in times of stress. Yeah. And those same, those same people saying that would tell you that if your child's in the middle of like, a verbal meltdown, don't try to tell them the rule that they broke, let them be done first, their brain uh-huh. literally cannot hear you right now. Why would your brain be any different? Mm-hmm. Our brains do lots of, Growing between three and 23, but it is also still true that it's very difficult to learn new tasks when activated or stressed yeah. or feel fearful or angry. And so, if you're trying to build awareness of your body and how you're feeling, start when it feels really good,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not when it's feeling really awful, because not only will It'd be easier, but the practice itself is going to feel like a gift, not a punishment. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You're going to be more inclined to pay attention to yourself if when you do, it feels nice. If the only time you're checking in with your body is when your child's being screamed at and you feel, or is screaming at you and you feel like screaming. Yeah. Self-awareness is going to feel like punishment and you're going to (laughs) not want to do it. You're going to want to look the other
0: way. Well, it seems like this little man's needing some attention, and I should probably start making dinner. Yeah, but are yeah. there any last yeah, things that you want to share? Anything that I know you have this Raising Sons workshop coming
1: up? Yeah, I do. That is next week. Um, So that Raising Sons workshop is <coughs> a space for mothers that are raising boys that are primal and feral and embodied and strong and what it looks like to support and direct our son's masculinity to being integrated and powerful and wise Mm -hmm. rather than chaotic and uncontrolled or denied Mm -hmm. Um, and what it can look like as the mother to do that work and then uh later this season later in the fall I guess we're like totally into fall this winter it's fall. <laughs> I told you I forget <laughs> it's 90 degrees outside and so wow. I forget that other people are experiencing autumn um I will be running my group mentorship rooted again mm-hmm. which is all these pieces of Reorienting towards nourishment and pleasure in motherhood, next to your children, and really, really diving into all of the ways that we do that together. All of those little practices that I weave in my life are there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Calls and all kinds of things too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Figure out what a nourishment practice looks like in your own motherhood. It's my That's favorite so thing special.
0: I've ever done. Sometimes. i don't think i knew of that offering of yours and i'm really excited yeah. to learn more about
1: it i'm excited i did it once last year when i was pregnant with liam and it was just mm. the best i still talk mm. to so many of those women like every day <laughs>
2: so,
1: yeah that's awesome
2: yeah
0: well i definitely i mean i'm always thinking about my next postpartum time i'm not even pregnant yet but <laughs> i feel even more excited after this conversation
1: I'm so glad. I totally understand. I honestly, I I've said before, like if I could just do postpartum, but not necessarily even have like a whole new human uh-huh. in my life. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so good, and it's so powerful, and it's so delicious. Yeah. I don't. I have no concept of when I'll have another baby, and I I still often am like, oh, my next postpartum. Here's what I'm gonna do differently. <laughs> Who even knows? Like three years from now.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in the meantime, you got these four beautiful boys to raise.
1: I do. They're so fun. Mm-hmm.
0: That was awesome. Uh, thank you so much to Nicole. I'm really looking forward to her raising sons workshop this weekend. Maybe I'll see you there, and to continue see her brighten my Instagram page. Um, you can find her on Instagram at the seed of joy with an underscore afterwards, um, and I will put all of these links and such into the show notes of this episode. Now my little man is grumpy, so I will see you all next time.